Hey, Al, it's Ryan. Uh, I know that I laid this out for you on Messenger, and I thought I was pretty clear, but apparently you're going ahead with this thing, and I need to tell you, don't. This is not a good idea. Rob and Shag, especially Rob, has no sense of humor about this sort of thing. You don't know how litigious he is about what he views as his intellectual property. So I'm asking you, telling you, don't. And stop mentioning my name. I am not involved. I am certainly not the inspiration for this. You are going to get me in so much trouble with the Fire and Water guys. Like, seriously, kicked out of the network trouble. For real. Don't do this thing. At all. Oh, and by the way, if you want to do a Captain Marvel issue for my Gene Colan show, let me know. All right, later. So first of all... Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Hey folks, and welcome to the first episode of Speedos and Hellfire, the podcast about the Avenging Sun and the Spirit of Vengeance. Marvel's Namor and Ghost Rider. I am one of your two hosts, Al Sedano. And I'm Tim Price. And, you know, shouldn't it be Hellfire and Speedos? No, I don't think that's right at all. I think the, the Speedos definitely come first. I don't know, just maybe... And the tagline part, but I mean, shouldn't the, I don't know, Avenging Sun sounds like something that should go last or after. It's, it's, it's we, we talked about this beforehand. We, we already agreed it's going to be Speedos and Hellfire and it's going to be the Avenging Sun because Avenge, you know, the letter A is the first thing in Avenging. We talked about this. We're, it's fine. Well, you were talking, but I, I don't know. I just kind of got distracted when you were talking. Look, we we we've got a lot to co- we got a lot of ground to cover. This is not the time to be talking about this. We need to move on to the show. Come on. All right, all right, all right. okay, okay, okay. Enough of that. We'll we'll we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll we'll correct it later. There Fine. We go. Perfect. So yes, folks, we are here to talk about your favorite fire and water based characters, Marvel's Ghost Rider and Namor. And we are going to start with our with their big dramatic relaunches in the '90s when they were part of the Heroes for the '90s, Woo! with Ghost Rider number one and Namor the Submariner number one, by the creative Woo-hoo! teams of John Byrne and Howard Mackey. And I forgot to be looking at where I have his name down. <laughs> <laughs> Javier Salteras. That's it. Javier Salteras and Mark Texiera. First off, we're going to talk about the heroes of the 90s, 
real quick, just for those of you who may not remember that or maybe kind of blocked out the 90s, or maybe did enough stuff that you want to remember the 90s, you just don't. Yeah, it happens. Maybe some of you are too young to remember the 90s. That also could be the case. That's possible. That's also possible. And, I, and I'd be very depressed at hearing that. It might hurt me a little bit. <laughs> Inside. So we're going to do that and then talk about the two issues. This is going to be a fun show, and we're going to hopefully, you know, this is just a something me and Tim have been kicking around for a while. You know, I mean, there's a bunch of comic podcasts, but this is kind of a unique thing. I mean, taking two characters, I mean, yeah, they're bu- published by the same company, but they're two very distinct characters that really have nothing to do with each other. Yeah, it's and it's very interesting, the themes that, you know, one has sort of a flame-based theme, and the other one has, uh, you know, an aquatic theme. I that's I I think that we've hit on something here. Yeah, I think this could really this really could could catch on. Yeah, this could be so. This will be a fun little mix-up. So we'll yeah. see how this goes. You know, at least until either the series those these series we're covering end, or we kill each other. Whatever happens first. But is that a possibility? I don't remember that coming up before. It what what. Don't worry about it. We'll figure it out. We'll edit that later. You, you keep saying that. I don't think that's how. I don't think that. I don't think you're going to do that. I, I'm not sure. Is that what you do on your other shows? Because it doesn't seem like it. I, I'm going to edit this part out too. Don't worry. Okay. All right. <laughs> but before we do that, guys, we're going to have now a word from our sponsor. So, folks, today, this episode is um, brought. Al, 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 I'm, I'm sorry. Can I Wait, do Al. something? Wait. Right, we're trying to be professional. We, no, I'm sorry, Al, but uh, we didn't get the sponsor. What? We, we, we didn't get the sponsor. I tried. I, I reached out to them, and they said that you know, we made that mistake once and never again. I, and then they hung up on me. I really don't know what they could be talking about, but as it, I, I really tried. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I mean, we had we were all set to have – I wanted it on there. It was, it was, it was part One of the job. plan, but One job. I'm sorry. I mean, besides, you know – working with Google and getting the technology stuff working, you know, getting on and, you know, providing the issues and, you know, and doing the editing, you have one job. It's, I, I, I never said I had money. I never said I had money stuff. And I, I also, I, you know, I, and I never went to the Qbert school, so I don't know how to do these things. I just, you know, you told me you did. You said that many times. No, no, no. That's, I think you're saying sure somebody else. I think you're thinking of somebody else, but that was not me. No, I'm pretty sure it was you. All right. So, soldiering <laughs> on. The things I have to put up with kids. You may or may not have realized, but the big companies, you know, Marvel and DC, every once in a while try, will put out a bunch of new books, and they always try and have some kind of probably lame theme to tie them together. To make you excited and pick up all the issue, all these new titles. There was, of course, you know, the big ones like the new Fifty Two, but then they also have more minor ones um, or constant ones. Uh, Marvel Now, um, or you know, the Hoxpox. You know, the, what's it called? Dawn of X. That's what it's called. Yes. Or other, you know, there's been other ones like that where they release a couple new titles all at once, and they're trying to get you to pick them all up. Uh, DCU. That was another one. Ah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So back in 1990, Marvel had the idea to call it Heroes for the 90s. Probably didn't take them very long to think of that name. That was some really good marketing people 
they were on point that week. They were on vacation that week. (laughs) (laughs) There were six books from the Heroes of the 90s. A couple of them actually, for the most part, did pretty well. I mean, as in lasting more than, let's say, a year or two. We had RoboCop, which I think only lasted about 23 issues. but still, So that's almost two years. So that's actually not bad. Mm-mm. That's pretty uh, respectable for back then. Yeah. We also, of course, our two issues, Ghost Rider and Namor. Woo! There was Guardians of the Galaxy. Not the Guardians you're thinking of from the movies. This was the original no. lineup of the Guardians. We're talking Major Vance Astro and Starhawk and Nikki and Alita and... Charlie 27 and Yondu. Again, not that Yondu. No. Different Yondu. Less slimy. Well, and a much more impressive fin on the head. Yes, definitely. The the current Yondu, I think, has fin envy, but you know. And this was the one that was drawn by soon to be soon to be going to image Jim Valentino. And was that five I did? Oh, New Warriors. Yep. Almost forgot them. Oh, no, we can't forget the New Warriors. The classic New Warrior series. And, of course, Todd McFarlane's Spider-Man. So Actually, despite the fact that the marketing really wasn't that great, they actually did pretty good with these series. I mean, RoboCop lasted the shortest, like I said. It was over in only about mm-hmm. two years. But all the rest of them lasted at least, what, 60 issues minimum? Yes. Yeah. They all went... They all got... I think that's... I think the... Shortest lift one would have been Namor. I think so Namor pretty... Guardians lasted about sixty something issues actually. Going. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Right. We know Warriors lasted to at least seventy five. Seventy five was definitely its last issue. Okay. So it did. It did. It did really quite respectably. And, and then of course Spider Man. I don't know. Well, I don't know how much longer that went on. Yes. That went on until that didn't die till the Clone Saga. End of the Clone Saga. Exactly. So it got to, I think it got to over 100. Mm-hmm. Now, with the exception of Namor and Ghost Rider, were you getting any of those books as they came out? I actually was getting uh, New Warriors and Spider-Man from the very first issue. I did not get RoboCop. And I did get the... I, get, I got the first couple issues of Guardians of the Galaxy. It just somehow, it just didn't quite hook me. I did try the first couple of issues of that. How about yourself? Well, let's see. RoboCop, I tried the first issue, but that really didn't hook me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Guardians did hook me. I stayed on Guardians till at least several months, a couple months after um, Jim Valentino left. Ah, uh, okay. And then it kind of lost me because I guess there was somebody who had a vi- not just the fact that it was his work on it, but he had a vision mm-hmm. for it. And obviously afterwards, they were just kind of putting people on to do something. Ah, yeah, that's sure. That's the problem with your readers leave all of a sudden. You have to have, you got to put the issues out, but now you're not having a book with a vision. There's, you know, there's always the difference between a book where you know the creative team has a vision, as opposed to let's just put something out this month. Right. So it lost me after that. Namor, I stayed till about the same time. Actually, it's all very similar for all of them. Namor, I stayed till around the time John Byrne left. Mm-hmm. And uh, same with Spider-Man. I was gone about a few issues after McFarlane left. Okay. I'm a hardcore Spider-Man collector, so I was getting all the Spider-Man books all the way through the Clone Saga and even beyond. There was only like a couple times when I would like 
I it was more like logistics made me miss issues sometimes, but by and large, I was continuing to get that. So I was on from day one. And New Warriors, I loved. So I went. I I read it all the way. I collected it all the way to the bitter end. Oh, so I forgot about New that Warriors. Was, That's right. Yeah. What did you get into New Warriors? Oh yeah. No, I definitely got into New Warriors. I did that mm. for at least the first three years. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's Here, pretty good. Here's another pro- reason for dropping those books, besides the fact that the career is leaving. Mm-hmm. I graduated uh, college. I started college oh, okay. mid '90s, so mm-hmm. my budget and time and stuff for comics kind of went to almost nothing. <laughs> I understand that. A lot of books got dropped between like '93 and '90, you know, '93 to mm-hmm. early '95 because I could not afford okay. to get them anymore. Gotcha. See, and I was kind of like the, since I'm just a, a little older than you. So I was actually just out of college when these books first came out. I was actually in the working world, making uh, money I'd never seen before. So I was just like, I'll take this one. I'll take this one. I'll take this one. And <laughs> yeah, this my, uh, my, my, uh, I was not very sensible with my comic book budget, shall we say. Um, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah, when these came out, this was my the later half of my freshman year of high school. Mm-hmm. So I was able to get them. And at the time, the comic store near me, I was able to kind of part-time work. Oh, like nice. Be, like mm-hmm. if you, especially if you buy stuff or need stuff, organized, just simple stuff, organized stuff, you know, hey, I got a whole bunch of collection of stuff, put this in order so I can get this put away and put the issues out for the, uh, you know, our back issues section and all that fun stuff. Right. And I'll get like mm-hmm. a couple bucks of credit an hour. So, and especially back then when everything is what, a dollar for the most part? Yeah. 25. And you're making, let's say you're working there for four hours and making, you know, even if, I mean, obviously it's low because but it's credit, but like four bucks an hour on yeah. credit. You know, mm-hmm. I got 16 bucks to blow. So you get oh, yeah. like at least 12 issues. Oh, yeah. So I'm like, I'll take this and this and this and this and this. <laughs> Very nice. Thankfully, I didn't have to spend, well, I did spend whatever money I had. I didn't have that much money to have to spend that much money on comics, actually. Mm-hmm. It got to be more, quote-unquote, free. Right. But, yeah, so, unfortunately, that's why I had to drop a lot of them. I probably would have stayed with New Warriors, definitely. Uh, by about year three or year four, I, that's not a bad time to have dropped off. Because Nichenza was kind of, I think it was kind of, Losing his, his his spark with the stories and the team. Those first two years, those first twenty five issues. Oh, that's solid gold. Oh my gosh, those were some yeah. of my favorite. That's one of my favorite story arcs, like ever. Um, but by, after the third year, I I didn't get a feeling anymore. I felt like he was almost maybe getting a little burned out, and he was also starting to write more X Force as well. And I think maybe it was he was overstretched. Oh, it's possible. Um, yeah, it's right. That would be yeah. the time you've been doing a lot more of that work. Yeah. Um, but, but I probably still would have stayed with it because Power mm-hmm. uh, Alex Power was joining around that time. Well, he yeah, and he the the new creative team came on for that for that part. Um, a new writer and artist jo- took over for the took over the book when Alex Power joined the team. Oh, okay. full time, full time. He came in as a as a substitute a hero for a couple issues for the end of Fabian's uh, writing run, follow on artist and writer. I really enjoyed their part. It wasn't as good as the first 
as that first magical 25 issues, but I still was having fun with it. So I was very glad to keep that. I kept going all the way to the very end. Yeah. Cause I think I did pick up after, you know, as it was striking comics again, I think I picked up one or two of the issues when the Scarlet spider joined. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. And it became well, a Spider-Man title. That was, which of course we all, those of us who remembered that very questionable corporate mentality towards how they organized the, the story, the story, the comics and the lines of the comics, like, uh, oh, it was when they split uh, everything, turning it little, into little fiefdoms. Yeah. They had to all be their own little families of books. It's like, uh, and there was no place to put new warriors. So yeah. they kind of shoehorned it into Spider-Man's line. It's like, uh, yeah, I liked, I liked it. I liked the spider bit. I like, I had fun with the Scarlet spider being part of the team, but it's like, uh, it, it didn't sit well. No, no, the reason behind it. I, I, my favorite was Marvel Edge, which was just like mm-hmm. we have nowhere else to put these people. <laughs> I was collecting. I collected all of Peter David's Incredible Hulk runs. So, oh, that I was, yeah, that definitely yeah. like. It's like so, you yeah, know. Hulk, Daredevil, Punisher. Punisher. It's like uh, I don't know. Let's call him the Edge. Yeah. <laughs> I looked it up. It's like okay, so the writer at that per- at, by that period in the end of New Wars was Evan Skolnick and the artist was Patrick Zercher. Oh, I know who that is. Yeah. Yeah. So it was really good stuff. You know, and not that we're supposed to be getting too deep into New Warriors, but what the hell? Oh, uh, yeah. But what that? Why not? <laughs> we're here. I wonder, would it have done better or been better for the title, not just that run, but afterwards, if instead of being pulled into the Spider-Man world, which was having its own issues because of the whole clone thing and everything, Mm-hmm. You know, you know, not just I'm not just talking about the stories, but behind the scenes, right? Yeah. What, considering how many of the characters are mutants, if they pushed it towards the X titles, uh, we definitely see more yeah. connection to the X books in that series than Spider Man. I mean, you have mm-hmm. Firestar, you know, Firestar. You know, their connection. You know, their team ups with the new X Force beforehand. Marvel Boy is a mutant. Might have mm-hmm. made more sense to make it a mutant adjacent title. Yeah, that's a possibility. Uh, it's of course the X books had so many already. I think they were probably trying to make the make the houses a little f- more equitable in terms of titles. So it's probably that unfortunate sense. that they didn't look at it that way. But also, it's like man, New Warriors fits almost also would fit better as an Avengers family title. But then what did they include in the Avengers family? They had the Fantastic Four in there. And it's like, that was already like, really? Uh, that's so, that's so, it, the whole thing was just, it was just. Well, yeah, because they're trying to do. It was just so faulty. In they're the trying to do like these families of titles, but it's like, well, you only have one Fantastic Four title. There's not really a family of titles. Mm-hmm. Right. They're not really characters to be running around for the most part with their own series. I mean, even yeah. they have, they've been short-term or they've been team-up books. Now, you got me thinking about Marvel Edge, and I, so I, I had forgotten this, that, so that was also the imprint that happened after Midnight Suns for Ghost Rider. Yeah, I think most of those titles were over by yeah, then. Yeah, they, they collapsed, they, they, all the Midnight Suns family of titles got canceled, and Ghost Rider got Marvel Edge as his new home. So it's like, ugh. The night that 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 whole that whole era was just that was just crazy. Well, yeah, that's when they had the Punisher get killed and then come back, or they faked his death and they had him join a mafia get mafia gang. 
Mm-hmm. I remember that was oh, the premise yeah. of the new series of Punisher is that he was the head of a mafia family. Right. Well, it's like I hardly paid attention to Marvel Edge at all. And like they had that one weird crossover of Marvel Edge where Punisher was out to kill Nick Fury. And I think they ended it with him killing Nick Fury. Quote but that's all I know. That's all I know about it, because it had just a couple tie ins to the Hulk. So other than that, it's like I didn't pay any attention to it. Yeah, that's all I knew about was the Hulk issues. Because <laughs> it's like, OK, I'll keep reading Peter David's Hulk. I think that's the one book I never lost. I fully like. I lose it from like when I went to college, but then I went back to it. Like a lot of the uh, other books, I lost them and I kind of never went back to them. And that one, I kind of stopped and then went back. Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh, there we go. And there we have. That's where uh, McFarlane's big takeoff happened with Marvel in the first place. Was in the Hulk run. Mm-hmm. So a lot of good, a lot of big creators happening in that. Oh in yeah, Terry Frank, Dale Keown, yes. Ian Sharp. Yes. Oh, Dale Keown. Oh, his stuff was amazing when he came on board there. Yeah. Oh, that was so good. Mm. It was so disappointing when he left. Like right before 400, he left at like 398 or 399. Yes, that's right. It was, I, I believe, three, 398 sounds like the right number. But then you got Gary Frank not too long after. Yeah, so that was pretty amazing. Because I think he drew the crossover with Motormouth and Kill Power, if you remember them yes, from the Marvel UK line. Mm-hmm. That's right. I I just I just vaguely remember them. I only saw them in that in that crossover. I that was actually one of the Marvel UK titles I read. I actually got most of the issues of that. Nice. It was a bizarre title. <laughs> I which you kind of expect from the Marvel UK. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. I'd be disappointed if they weren't bizarre. But yeah, so those were the heroes for the nineties. So you want to hear more from them? Uh, well, I don't know. Go get a subscription to Marvel Unlimited. I think a lot of them are on there. Except maybe go- RoboCop. I wonder if... I guess Dark Horse would be publishing that now? They did have them for a long time. I would bet that they don't have the rights to Marvel's stories on that. Uh, I don't know. They had the rights to reprint the Marvel Star Wars stuff. Oh, that's true. Well, And Marvel Unlimited has be- the Dark Horse Star Wars books on there now. That was, but that was, and that was Marvel Unlimited getting the Star Wars books. Yeah, but that was it was their own Star Wars books. So no, but I'm saying if you go on Marvel Unlimited now, you can read all the Star Wars books that Dark Horse published. Wow, I did not know that. So, but maybe it depends on the which what what, what the license is for that property. But apparently, with Star Wars, right. you have the rights to reprint everything. Well, my my Marvel Unlimited app is showing no results for RoboCop, so that stinks. Not there, at least. Yeah. But I'm sure the others are mostly on there. Hi, I'm John Wilson. And I'm Michael Kaiser. And we're the hosts of the podcast, Make Ours Marvel. You know, here we are in 2018, 10 years into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, can you believe we live in a world where everyone's old Aunt Petunia knows who Iron Man is? It's crazy, right? So, to celebrate, we're on a mission to explore the roots of the Marvel Universe. You know you've thought about it. Some of you may have even done it, and now we're going to do it too. We're diving back into the long boxes of Marvel's history and podcasting our way through the whole universe. All of it. Every superhero issue. And, if I can convince Mike, we'll even do Sergeant Fury. And it's not going to be one issue per episode. That'd take forever. (laughs) It's still going to take forever. But no, we're going to talk about as many comics as we can in an hour. Yep, an hour and, you know, maybe a little change. Every week, Marvel Comics. So it'd be super cool if you came along for the ride. 
Look for us every Friday at MakeOursMarvel.com. That's MakeOursMarvel.com. Or on iTunes and all the other usual podcasty places. And if you want to read along with us and send us your thoughts, we might even read emails. So until Avengers Infinity War gets a spin-off Warlock in the Infinity Watch TV show, Make Ours Marvel. All right, so I guess we should get to the get to the issues. Yes, indeed. All right. Yeah, right. so we're ready to start with Namor. Uh, no, 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 Ghost Rider. We're gonna no, we're gonna edit that out. We're gonna do Ghost Rider first. Well, I I thought we agreed that Ghost we, Rider's cooler. We want to keep people listening, so let's start with the cooler guy first. It, we can talk it's about in the, it's in the we talk we have the script here. It says we can Namor talk about first. Namor not talking to fish later. Okay. I, <sighs> It's, he's much more about than he is so much cooler than someone who talks to fish. I mean, he's that is just I yeah, don't know why you bring that up. How exciting is it that he doesn't talk to fish? I don't talk to fish. When you can come and bring a, a leviathan to come and destroy New York City, then I'll then I'll listen to you. But fine, fine. Let's let's I, I well I'll we'll talk later. We'll talk later. This is not the time for it. Good. We'll, good. We'll, go Ghost Rider. That's good. That's good because you almost had a, you actually had a half decent argument, and I didn't like that. Sigh. I don't think there's any sighs in this one, but there are arrows. Are Are you going to talk about the issue? I'm wait. I'm waiting. Okay. So first of all, we're going to talk about Ghost Rider number one, published in May of 1990. For the the story title is Life's Blood. Written by Howard Mackey, pencil by Javier Salteres, inked by Mark Texiera, colors Gregory Wright, letterer Michael Heisler, cover art by Javier Salteres, edited by Bobby Chase and Tom DeFalco. Well, Tom was at least the editor-in-chief. It had the huge cover price of $1.95. Before we talk about the actual issue itself, though, what is your we'll start with you uh your history with ghost rider uh, very little very just very little um f- from the johnny blaze era uh i know i'd seen him a couple of issues here and there uh it was probably just from even like being in school where either i'd get one from like a, a friend who had snuck an issue into school and sometimes there would be like uh, even like an English class where they'd have comics in there, and for some reason, Ghost Rider would show up in our English classes. Hey, I don't know. We were, we were it was in Illinois. Uh, I guess they weren't worried about the devil worship too much, and That's it was, cool it was fine. Class. Yeah. So I read a couple issues back then. I, I remember very distinctly seeing one issue featuring the Orb as the bad guy, oh. <laughs> which is like, okay, that's just that's just so nutso and cool. Those were pretty fun, and the only issue I remember I actually bought off the stands was that they had the big oversized final issue. And I definitely bought that one where we actually like see they come to fruition about how, how giant blaze became the ghost Rider and was the ghost Rider. So that was really the only history I had with him before this series. Although I saw, well, I was collecting Avengers. So he had one appearance in the Avengers as well, which was pretty awesome where he basically takes out the whole, the whole team with Thor and Iron Man on the team. And oh, just takes them all out by himself. I didn't know that. Oh yeah, it's it's a, a very bad time period because it was a couple of issues after Jim Shooter's Yellow Jacket issue, 
Oh, so like the team wasn't this the team just like Cap, Thor, Iron Man, and Tigra? Correct. Yeah. It's it's bad that it's like part of that time period because unfortunately that's got a bad taste in many people's mouths. Yeah, mostly because probably because of the uh, also Avengers two hundred. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was still they're still reeling from all of that going on, but that was pretty cool. And but after that, it's like I did get I did get into the Ghost Rider for this series, and I kept with it. Like I, as we said before, like I I don't I did not go all the way till the end of the series, but I kept going for a long time. I even got onto the Midnight Suns bandwagon and uh, bought the Spirit of Vengeance spinoff series that happened as well. So I was with it quite a long time. That's that's pretty much my history. So what is your background with the character? For the most part. My background with the character starts with this issue. By the time I started buying comics, Ghost mm-hmm. Rider had been long over. I might have heard the name or seen an image of it because, like, it wasn't a completely. I don't. I don't remember it being a completely like original idea to me when I saw the first. You know, this issue was coming out. Mm-hmm. But I didn't really know anything about Ghost, the original Ghost Rider, and wouldn't until uh, this series became popular enough that they started that uh, reprint series, the original Ghost Rider Rides Again. Oh right, I remember. Which now reprinted. I remember that. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was a. I think it was. A, it was a seven issue series, and each issue reprinted two issues of the original series, like the last fourteen issues. Gotcha. So they just did like the end of it, going up to the end, and those were really good. I enjoyed those a lot. Nice. And there was some dark stuff in that. Oh, I remember like I bet. Yeah, it was like there was some twisted stuff in there. Like he. There's like one thing where like there's one guy who's a criminal, but like he was trying to stop the other guys from really doing anything worse. And he's the one that gets punished with the stare by the Ghost Rider because he still doesn't mm-hmm. care. Oh, yeah. Like, the, mm-hmm. like at this point, the Ghost Rider is more and more breaking away from Johnny Plays and not caring about who he was hurting and whether it was innocent or not. He didn't care. He just wanted to hurt things. Right. So becoming more and more like it was becoming more and more a villain. Mm hmm. Those were pretty twisted and good. But yeah, so that was my background with Ghost Riders, this series, and then whatever I learned in those seven, that reprint series, and whatever they brought into in this one, once they started bringing Johnny Blaze and stuff in. Mm-hmm. And I kept up with this one, again, because of the college and stuff and everything, till about, I know I got it through the Rise of the Midnight Suns. I tried at least the, you know, the first issue or two of all of those. I think the only one I really kept up mm-hmm. with was Darkhold. Oh, Yeah. Oh, with, that, with the Richard Case artwork. Oh. And that was the reason, because I was a big fan of uh, Doom Patrol. Doom Patrol. Mm-hmm. And this was right at what he went to, right after Doom Patrol. So, Yes, but he I, was. I didn't make it to whatever the next Midnight Sun crossover was. Midnight Massacre, mm-hmm. whatever. I think that might have been it. Yeah, I think you're right. And that's and that's definitely where I where I faded out from it as well. I did not yeah. I did not get Midnight Massacre. Yeah, so Darkhold, I probably got to like somewhere between a nine or ten or eleven, and Ghost mm-hmm. Rider probably to like thirty, mid thirties, thirty five, thirty six, somewhere about there. That's how, that sounds pretty comparable to what I what I did too. One day I, I might want to go back, especially since I have so many of these series on here. Go back and just do a whole Ghost Rider read, like mm-hmm. start the original one and go right through go, original Ghost Rider, this one, all the Midnight Sun stuff, and go on to the. Uh, five or six or 12 other Ghost Rider series that have started since then. Well, with this podcast, we're starting right here. That's a great opportunity for us to do that. Yeah, we might want to go back and occasionally look at the old ones. Like, ooh, we could go back and do episodes where we talk about the old Namor and Ghost Rider series from the 70s. Yeah. 
That's great. So we sh- I'm glad we thought of that. Yeah, like a flashback episode or something, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's not like we have any new issues for them anyway, so we might as well do old ones. Well, sure. And then, you know, these new issues aren't any... Why, why are these good new comics anyway? They're no good. Go back and read the old comics. Oh. No, I'm not really that guy. <laughs> oh, wait, that's right. There is a Ghostwriter <laughs> series. I forgot. <laughs> I had not lost... I had lost track if there was a current Ghostwriter series. I know that the... I, I have seen the latest... Since I buy Avengers, I have seen the, the new Ghost Rider in the Avengers the last couple of years. That's right, because he's in the Avengers now. I forgot about that. That's right. Driving his car, the Hell Charger. So it is, is it the, the new kid? Um, yes, it's the new kid. I forget his name. Um, his last name is Reyes, I think. I'm doing the big old, big old nerd fail. Big old nerd fail right there. I'm trying not to call him Jaime Reyes, but I think that's it's Blue not, Beetle. I think it's Robbie Reyes. Yes, I think you're right. That's what that's what's throwing me off. That's why I wasn't trusting it because I was like, wait, is Robbie Reyes Blue Beetle or Ghost Rider? Darn it! <laughs> that's but yeah, cousin. it's Robbie Reyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I if this was if this was a if this was a, a a Roy Thomas book, then they would be you know cousins. I was just trying to figure out how to make it a Roy Thomas joke. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, real quick on Robbie, like I couldn't get into his series. I didn't like it was his, the artwork didn't work for me for that series. Ah, OK. But I have to say, I really did like him on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, I did, too. Are we the only two people who like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Uh, or maybe no. it's like is liking Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. too strong a term. I mean, I shouldn't I shouldn't be presuming I liked him on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. That's for sure. No, I can think uh, Ben Avery and Dan Butcher. They like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. There you or, go. Because they do the uh, Welcome to Level 7 podcast on it, so I hope they like it. <laughs> nice. But other than them, I, I don't know. Hopefully more, but that might be it. But I like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but yeah, no, I thought he was great on it. That oh, actually yeah. sold me on the character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was really kind of questioning the whole thing about a car. Really? That's just such a big departure from the two... Ghost riders that were motorcycle riders. It's like I wasn't quite sold on it, and then when I saw it in the show, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, this is good. Yeah, like this can work. I think yes. I still prefer the motorcycle look, but mm-hmm. the car. He made he made me enjoy the car. Absolutely. But speaking of the motorcycle, let's get here to Ghost Rider number one. Our story starts out in Cypress Hill Cemetery in Queens, New York where siblings Dan and Barb are cutting through the cemetery. Uh, Dan has promised Barb that they are going to go see Houdini's grave, because it's Halloween, and she wants to see the people trying to contact him. While they're walking through, they are jumped by a gang, quote-unquote. Don't let me forget, we are going to get back to this gang when we do the discussion of the story later. Right. And they try and steal Dan's bag, but Barb basically is the one who actually acts and knocks them away and scares them off. At that point, they then hear what sounds like a gunshot and a scream. So Barb, in her infinite wisdom, decides to run towards it. And we see a standoff between what we find out are a couple of the Kingpin's goons and a masked character called Death Watch. Death Watch has just killed one of the Kingpin's couriers. And he's also backed up by a couple of ninjas. So they kill the Kingpin's men. And doing so, however, apparently shocks Barb enough that she screams... 
and they shoot her with an arrow right through the chest. Very nasty. Wanting to get rid of the witnesses, he sends the ninjas after them. And in this whole confusion, one of the gang members, her name's Pauly, grabs that case that they were fighting, him and the Kingpin's men were fighting over. So now he's sending his people after her as well. So Dan and Barb find a, well, basically Dan, because Barb's pretty much unconscious, because that's what happens when you have an arrow through your chest. Mm-hmm. Find a, since they're in a, uh, apparently nearby the cemetery, is a junkyard. You know, when I was writing this before, I didn't realize, like, wait a minute, they're in a cemetery. How is there a pile of cars? But okay. <laughs> so there's a junkyard next to the cemetery. And they run into it, auto junkyard. And they run into it, and they're hiding under a pile, bunch of, like, one of those big piles of old cars. While the ninjas are outside, trying to get them to come out, Dan finds an old motorcycle and accidentally touches it. Outside of the pile, the ninjas have found the other girl, Polly, and they're going to kill her and blow up the pile, pile of cars to kill everybody up. When all of a sudden, Ghost Rider comes flying out in a really cool full-page splash, holding Barb on his lap, takes out the ninjas, and then the cops show up, and in J. Jonah Jameson style, decide everything's Ghost Rider's fault and attack him. He takes off after telling the cops to send Barb to the hospital. And the cops give chase until Ghost Rider decides to drive up a building, which was also pretty awesome. Back in New York, now in the main in Manhattan in Wall Street, we see Death Watch in his civilian identity of whatever it is, because we don't know his name yet, questioning his men about what happened, why they couldn't get that case. Uh, his questioning involves a psychic probe, so he apparently has some kind of psychic abilities, and then he decides to kill his guy for failing him, and send his other people out to go find find the girl with the case and also the witnesses. Meanwhile, the Kingpin finds out about people attacking his men, and he's also sending people out there. In the hospital, we find that Barb is in a coma, and apparently Dan's family is friends with a police officer who has promised him they're going to find this ghostwriter and make him pay. Back on the streets of New York, we have that gang, which, by the way, was called the Cypress Hill Jokers, hanging out. And they have been found by the Kingsman's men who want the uh, case, and they're willing to shoot these kids to get it. But not before the kids start getting killed with knives being thrown by the ninjas. We get a ninja gangster fight, which on its own would be pretty cool. And Dan, sensing what's happening here, all of a sudden the gas cap starts glowing, and next thing you know, he's forcibly transformed into Ghost Rider. Ghost Rider heads out into the middle of this, takes out basically all the bad guys, and brings the kid who got hurt, the one who got stabbed with a knife, to the hospital. And we end with uh, Dan basically at his sister's side asking her what to do. He's like, is this a monster? Is this a good guy? He brought the kid to the hospital, but the cops want to kill him. What's happening to me, and why is this happening? And that was Ghost Rider number one. So a lot. Of, there's a lot of stuff that happens in here. There sure is. It was the 90s. It was ex- yeah. We were just getting started getting extreme. Yes. Now, I will say the artwork, I love the artwork in here. Mm-hmm. I like it a lot. It's really good. It has a grittiness to it, which I think works for the character. Absolutely. I mean, we had Javier Salteros' um, uh, characters came through really well. But you also, with uh, as time has gone on, I always just see Mark Texera's artwork inking stronger and eventually he takes over all the art chores of the book and that's what he really brings to it it just brings a fierceness 
a horror level ambiance to the whole story. Oh, definitely. No, his inking is definitely a big part of the part of this because he inks, he does such heavy inking and creates such blackness that this the mm-hmm. the, the skull and the flames on the wheels def, they stand out so much more. Right. I mean, that's one of the big things I think about what makes this cover work because we go back to the cover. Mm-hmm. It's just Ghost Rider sitting there straddling over his bike in front of I don't even know what he's in front of. It, could be, it looks like almost like a TV screen. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't matter because for the most part, the whole cover is bordered by black. And because of that, everything stands out so much more. And I think that this looks like um, the image from the Prince's Purple Rain cover. <laughs> right? You know what I, I mean? I did not think. Wait, oh, hold on. Google. Come on, Google. Help us out here. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely a vibe of that. Oh, God, yeah. It's just... Yeah. 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 It's the... Flip the bike over. I mean, flip the bike Mm -hmm. facing the other way. And then you have a border right around him. So all you see is that bearish background of what's... Of, like, the building behind him. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's not like it's... Not like that particular pose with your bike. There's not that much you can do with it. You know, if you're going to have a guy sitting on a bike, uh, that's one way to go. But yeah, uh, it's uh, but it's like it's not an action pose. It is a posing pose, a posing image. And yeah, that's one of the things that came through so strongly with this is that this is not Johnny Blaze Ghost Rider from the very beginning, which is visually in terms of the powers that he has. Um it's just the 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 differences between Danny Ketch and the Ghost Rider himself. It is just a very completely different thing, and not a completely different motorcycle because it's not the old motorcycle was made out of flames, and we're getting away from that. But as you said, I, that's what makes it stand out so well. It's just like just the wheels being fire makes it look so cool. Yeah, but yeah, no, the art is definitely I think the stronger part of the series. Mm-hmm. Story, it's okay. I will say this. If you're just reading it and like just going through it, it's exciting and fast-paced. And it's that's good for that, because when you take the time to slow down with it, you go, what? <laughs> Several times. I, I agree. I mean, first of all, well, this is not a, this is a nitpick, but it's a podcast. So what else are we going to yeah. do besides pick the nits? That's okay. what we're here for. They're at Cypress Hill Cemetery in Queens to see the uh, the grave of Houdini. Well, they're lost because he is not buried in Cypress Hill Cemetery in Queens. <laughs> he is buried in Machpelah Cemetery in Queens. They're close by, but they're about four miles away, and you have to cross the Jackie Robinson Parkway to get to them, get from one to the other. Well, I guess that just depends on if the, you know, in the Marvel Universe, uh, Harry Houdini, he may have got buried in Queens instead. But that's, I, I know what you mean. Yeah, it's a minor one, but still, because I was curious about that. So I looked it up to see, is he buried there? That's cool. Like, mm-hmm. it's close. Now, the gang, the Cypress Hill Jokers. Yeah, what are the, what is this? <laughs> that's, all I, that's all I ask about that, that, that gang is like, what is this? 
Well, you know, it was the 90s. There was it's an inner city story. So of course you're going to have an inner city story. You're going to have gangs of there there are gangs. There are gangs in the cities. And yes, aren't most of them made up of people who look like uh, Jimmy Olsen and the cheerleader from Heroes? <laughs> That's exactly what I think of when I think of a gang. It's like, yeah. okay. Uh, whatever. They seemed almost more like a, ch- a attempt to doing the Newsboy Legion as bad guys. As if the, yeah. Newsboy, Legion, the Newsboy Legion wanted to be edgy. Or, ooh, it's the Yancey Street Gang without having the, the Ben Grimm to torment. Yeah, because all they do is they try and grab that camera bag, and as soon as Barb knocks one of them over, they just leave. Yeah, they're they're not exactly a hardcore gang. This is the exa- This is what a gang would be in Mayberry. <laughs> like they are the terror of Mayberry. I mean, people yes. are locking their doors. The cops are actually considering being armed. Barney would have to put his bullet into his gun. Like, they are completely terrified. They terrorize the town of Mayberry. They are like horrors. They are like the worst thing that ever happened. <laughs> they keep they keep asking Archie if he'll join, and he keeps turning them down. <laughs> it's like when Archie Andrews is calling you guys dorks, you got a problem. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. But it, there's just a lot of... Um, I mean, the concept well, is good, the plot's good, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of, like, things that don't work. Like, wait, they run away from the cemetery to the junkyard, into the part of the cemetery that you put cars? It's like, how does that work? He's carry, dragging his sister's body, almost body, basically. She's shot with an arrow in the chest. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, if this was made less than 100 years before, she would be a dead person. Right. So it, it's is like, a very, it is a very horror movie sort of sort of thing to have happen, though. So yeah. I can oh, I can yeah. I can buy it in that front, but like, yeah, it's pretty rough. And but yeah, the discard the cemetery next to the junkyard, the the discarding of two different things. Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> but and, and and let's and let's and the big bad guy, Death Watch. It's like this is this is a very Howard Mackey sort of sort of villain. He's got yeah. a lot of dichotomy in the sort of things he's got going on, and that's I, I can kind of see that there. But it's he feels very Howard Mackey. But he's also, that's one of the things that makes me go, what? Because it's a Howard Mackey style villain. They sometimes just don't click. I am Death Watch. I am your death. And I'm going to shoot you with this gun, while my henchmen, who are ninjas, are going to shoot you with arrows. And Because that's how that works. And here's my question, because these ninjas talk a lot. Mm-hmm. Are these... Bad ninjas, or are they awesome ninjas for that? Um, I think they are ninjas from the Tick. That they they went to ninja school for a couple weeks and got their diploma and are now out ninjaing. Yeah, for fun and profit, right there. They got their associate degree for being a ninja. The 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 actual full bachelor's degree. That's when you learn to be quiet. That's right. <laughs> It, it is just weird. It's like, you know, his Death Watch's whole shtick does not match the shtick of having ninjas as his henchmen. And, and also, it's like the timing of this of the issue. Like, everything up until the Ghost Rider giving chase... Sorry, everything up until, like, Ghost Rider turning back into Danny works. Mm-hmm. You know, timing-wise, at least. I mean, let's forget the whole issue of the cemetery. You know, but they're there right. that night. 
they get attacked. He turns into the Ghost Rider, beats up the ninjas. Cops show up. He runs away from them, escapes, and then he turns back into Ghost Rider. It says later that night. But then, like, after that, I'm like, is this the next day? Is this that same night? Like, everything just seems to happen right away. Right. Because then we go to Death Watch at long, at, uh, in his office in Wall Street. And it's kind of hard to tell. Like, did he just go back to his office at 3 in the morning? Or is this the next day? You know, I don't know. He's a criminal, so he could be doing stuff in the middle of the night. You know, same right. thing with when we see the Kingpin doing his workout. Like, that could be happening at any point. And then you see that one girl, you know, Paulie, bringing back the briefcase, the mysterious briefcase they want. And that's night. So is that the same night or is that the different night? Because we don't get Dan showing up to his to the hospital until after that. So it's like, when does that happen? You know, it, it just makes it a little weird when you're reading this. Because, like, like, so when does this happen? Is this taking place over, like, six hours or, like, three days? And I have no good feel for myself either. I was I was equally confused. And it doesn't help with the scene changes to Wall Street that the sky is shown in both of them. But it's like, is it a daytime sky or a nighttime sky? It's very dark looking. It's not it's not blatantly nighttime, but it doesn't give a much feel for the time of day. Yeah, I get. I get a feeling that I get a feeling this is just over two days. That the yeah. that well two as you know two nights, first yeah. night then the little Wall Street things happen during the day and then the the next uh, the next night comes in next. I'm keep look. I'm looking in here and I don't see the Oracle building in the background of any of these shots of Wall Street. So yeah, I don't, that's that's kind of distressing to me. Well, uh, they might not have a chance to change the uh, build, the sign yet. Mm, okay, yeah, that's possible. Yeah, no, that works for what you're saying, except for the fact that Dan showing up to the hospital happens after all those things. Mm-hmm. Unless he didn't get to the hospital until dawn. But then, I don't know. He runs away from the bike. So maybe he's getting to the hospital... On foot. On foot and or public transportation. You know, that's the only thing. I think it, I think he was not able to get to the hospital very fast. But it's it's also, like, for artistically... Uh, the fact that they show him come in and he still has like red on the blood of his hand, red blood on his hands. It's like, uh, I, I know it's like, it's no fun to draw, you know, dried out blood, but it's like, so if that's what we're trying to get the impressions that no, he's still, you know, messed up from the adventure of the previous day, but it's like, eh, it wouldn't be red anymore. So it doesn't quite, it just doesn't quite convey what we want to convey. Yeah. So, I mean, overall, it's not bad. It just... No. It just it, kind of gets a little confusing. The artwork and the design of Ghost Rider and his bike are the most important parts. Yes. And and getting to see his powers and see his powers that are ver- that are not like uh, Johnny Blaze's powers. We got the chain that breaks off into pieces and zaps people. Yeah, it's like That's Ninja Star. so cool. And the yeah. penance stare, and it's like he, but and Johnny Blaze would do like the flame blast, like no, no, there's no, there's no, uh, soul searing flame blasts. It's like no, he, he's a, a bruiser and strong. Yeah, um, yeah, he beats the crap out of them, and he's and tough. the design of the and the design of the motorcycle. We we cannot oversell the skull like eyes on the front of the motorcycle. Oh yeah, that just that just gives it a whole it gives it a whole character right to the the cycle itself, which is kind of part of the part of the story. No, Ghost Rider works best, I think, 
like I said earlier, fast paced. Think of it like one of those action movies where like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, mm-hmm. if you think about it too much, it's, it doesn't work. But you're like, no, it's just fun. It's like, I'm just watching because it's fun watching them beat the crap out of things and blow stuff up. Yes, absolutely. This happened with the Johnny Blaze character too, with him getting to be really much like an anti-hero or, you know, not, or just like, just a, just a, someone who tears through things. He's, I always kind of felt like he was almost like, what if the Hulk was a demon? Is what he kind of comes like. And we've got the, 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 the duality of the characters happen that way too. I, I do like one thing that Howard Mackey's doing is that while he's making this anti-hero character, mm-hmm. it's not just about beat the hell out of things and that's it. I mean, the exactly. first thing he always has him say is, get away from the innocent people. Like, you know, when they had the girl, Polly hostage, he, the first thing he says is step away from her. Mm-hmm. And even yes. when he beats up all the guys, the, uh, all the people who are attacking her, the fir- what he says to her is do not be afraid. And he, takes, else, and he takes people to the hospital. Yeah. So for whatever else I'm giving him crap for, I'm giving him full credit for that. Like, I like that as a touch to it. That's a cool thing. Yes, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. That's one thing that I got that made me not a Punisher fan was just the fact that the killing of of bad guys just I just doesn't sit right with me. It just does, it's just not maybe not maybe really that interested in the character. But they he did make a point that Ghost Rider in spite of his violence is not even with his weapons his weapons are usually not lethal. Yeah. He's more about protecting the innocent not punishing the guilty. Exactly. And by nature of that that's exactly what the Punisher is about, punishing the guilty. Mhm. This was fun still. This oh, is enjoyable. Yes. And I really haven't read this in years, so this brought me back. Oh yeah. It's as as said, the, the arts the art sells it. So if you're the this the story has, has some fun bits in it. I did like kind of like seeing that there's a whole family involved with Danny Ketch. It's like you get the the Peter Parker Aunt May sort of possibilities happening. But it's like most of all, it's just a, a cool character visually to just watch him go tearing through the town and driving his cycle up walls and through through barricades and stuff. It's like, yeah. Oh, I just realized it is very much a Peter Parker thing. Yeah. Except he doesn't have an Uncle Ben. He has his sister. His sister Barbara. Here's the here's the rough question. Did Barbara get fridged? Would we consider this a fridging? I mean I don't know. That's that. I don't know if I'm the best person to decide that. Oh, I know I'm not. Do you know what I mean? Because, like, I mean, if you want to go with the most blatant, ver- like the most lazy version of that, then uh, we're not lazy version. Sorry, that's incorrect to say. But if you want to move the most simplistic version of it, then yes, she did. But mm-hmm. was she a character before anyway? She was only in there for a page. I mean, right. You know, was yeah, Uncle we get, Ben? We get, we get no. We get almost no real appreciate. We 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 get we get a hint of her character, and actually, I would I would think that perhaps it is an example of that because she was the more proactive and motivated of the two care of between her and Danny. He was the follower. Oh yeah. And she was the one who was moving things forward, and he only started being active after she got killed. Oh yeah, no, she so, no, she definitely was the leader of the two of them. But from what she said, he she is the older sister, so 
Although it's also then kind of amusing. It also kind of tells a bit, not just the time, probably a bit of the time too, mm-hmm. of how it was done, where he says, mom's going to kill me for bringing you here. Uh, yeah. It's like, isn't she the one into older one? Don't you usually blame the older child for dragging the younger one into something? You would think so. But then you get, but it's a, with when it's a boy and a girl, a brother and sister. Yeah. Like, I mean, I didn't uh, think about that when I read yeah. it the first time. And, but yeah. I thought about it now. I didn't think about it now. Yeah. And that's, I, and you know, yes, that's a, that's a product of the time. Yeah. That's just a weird thing too. I mean, I had siblings, but, but I have younger brothers, but that's mm. it. So it was always my fault. So like, <laughs> I just wonder, yeah. at what point did they decide now Barb can be her fault anymore? Like, was there a magic age where all of a sudden he's like, why am I getting blamed? I was never right. blamed for stuff before. She's old. She's two years old. I don't know how much older. She's a year or two older. It's like, we're going to say mm-hmm. two. She's two years older. How come? She, when did it stop being her fault? But also, we, we, we will, maybe, maybe, we're, maybe we're reading too much into that particular sentence, too. Because it's like, we don't see a whole lot with the family. So we don't know if the parents really would have been that way or if Danny was just saying that. To get out of going. You know, you know to get out of going. Again, him not having as much agency in, in the until you know, at the beginning of the story. That was one of the things I thought of when I was when I, I was mean, going that's through. True. This time. She's the one that has agency actually up until she gets shot, and mm-hmm. he actually only has agency as Ghostwriter. He doesn't have actually any of his own right now. Well, that's very true. I mean, it just happens to him. Mm-hmm. Ghostwriter has agency. Danny doesn't have any. But also that would be the case of, okay, so Barbara being killed forced the introduction of Ghost Rider into the story. Yeah. Without that, would he have even, would, 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 there, would there have been a moment for him to appear in the story? No. I don't think so. Did you ever see the, the what if issue? I didn't buy it. I, didn't, I, did, I just glanced through it. Where it said, what if Barbara became the Ghost Rider? I remember that being one. I remember buying it. I don't remember anything about it right now. <laughs> Since I uh, just didn't have that much of, of uh, attachment to Barbara herself, it's like I just, you know, it didn't make spark me the, enough to pick it up either. But let's just glance through it, and that's just the idea on the cover. It's like, that's really a cool idea. I'm looking. I don't think they have it on Unlimited. Yeah, there's, the what-if issues are pretty spotty on Unlimited. But then eventually we did have Johnny Blaze and a and a and I don't know what the name what what the girl's name was. A girl became the ghostwriter as well in more recent years too. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking unlimited now. They only have twelve issues of What If from that run. But it's still, just an interesting idea because then it like turns it on its head of like perhaps even kind of admits by having that story that maybe Barbara did get sacrificed just you know got got fridged for the purpose of moving Danny's story forward. Yeah. But yeah. Well, we'll have to get to that at some point. We'll see how that goes. But for now, that was Ghostwriter number one. So, all right, I guess that's it for this time. So, uh, no, no, wait, wait. We, we we did not get to Namor. <sighs> oh, it's, it was the John Byrne version of Namor. I did like that one. Okay, okay, okay. okay all right. Finally. Jeez. We did. I, I let you go first, man. Come on. Oh, I thought you were just letting me go, and that's it. All right, I'll go first. That's fine. We'll call, it, we'll call it first. Hey, this is Dion Bai. I'm here with my friend Jay Blake, uh, both of the Podwits fame. We've got a new um, podcast coming out for you. Do you remember back in the day when 
having your friends sleep over your house was the highlight of your week where you'd uh, go out with your parents and you rent every movie under the sun and you'd get some Jiffy Pop, uh, you'd max out that rental card and you'd uh, get some Joke Cola and stay up all night long watching more movies than you think you'd be able to binge watch? Uh, I do. Well, we've got a new podcast that you'll love. It can be found at saturdaysleepovers.podwits.com and basically what we're going to be doing here at Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers, we're going to be profiling new and old that we used to watch when we were little. Yeah, movies from action movies to horror movies to maybe even new movies. Yeah, whatever we think could be a forgotten gem or something that we think could be a cult classic. We'll be seeing if the old movies still stand up, if they're as good as they used to be, if we remember them, and if they warrant a second viewing for people. So come on down and listen to us at Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers. That can be found again at saturdaysleepovers.podwits.com. We'll be waiting for you. Later. Yes, all right. So we're moving on now. Okay, here we go. Namor, number one, from April 1990. All right, so here, the cover has an all-new direction for Namor the Submariner, which is also interesting because it was the first time that the his name Namor was more prominent in the title than Submariner. Usually they hype up the Submariner part. Yeah, because so, that's more of like the hero name. Mm-hmm, exactly. So Namor the Submariner... What what history did you have with Namor? I had a little. Um, I started reading around the time of Elena's attacks, about a year or so before that. So I did ah, okay. buy some of those. I didn't buy all of it, but I did buy some of them. And so especially, even if he wasn't in them, in the backup feature for all of them, they had the background of the Serpent Crown. So a lot of that involves Namor. So I had that. Even when I started, before I started reading comics, I always had like random comics from people in different places. So I had a few like random like Fantastic Four that would have him in it, or I think I had an issue of Avengers that he was in. So I knew mm. who he was. I didn't have like a great big connection to him, but I did know who he was. When I read this one, like he was less of a surprise to me than Ghost Rider. And since then, I've read of his, I've read some of his older stuff. I mean, I've read some of his like early Golden Age stuff by now. Mm-hmm. Um, he really hasn't had that many series, ongoing series since this point. I mean, the only other series I can think of for him was that uh, Mar- from that Marvel tsunami line that they tried like 10, 15 years ago, where the st- it took place when he was like 17 years old. Oh, right. Like or six or 15 years old. Like it took it takes place mm-hmm. before Marvel Comics number one from 30, 1939. Gotcha. But I don't think he's had another series since then. Has he? Not a solo series. He's been in uh, the uh, New Avengers from uh, from Hickman. Oh, there was heavily. the name of the first mutant that ran for about a year. Oh, okay. When he was part of the X-Men. Right. But yeah, for the most part, he really kind of appears in group books. He was part of the Fantastic Four for a while, back and forth with the Avengers, mm-hmm. the X-Men. But... He really, this is really the last time he had a really a long ongoing series. I mean, both of those two series that happened since then were really only lasted about a year or so. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He, he hasn't had even many mini series or even just with his title in it. No. Uh, what about you? Well, I actually did see reprints of um, his early FF appearances. 
thanks to like one was in the treasury edition, which had issue number six, the team up between him and Dr. Doom against the FF. Okay. Yeah. That treasury edition also had the Galactus trilogy in it. So that was pretty awesome. Uh, I also had, yeah, I also had like a, a collection of, of of, of reprint issues. That was a trade paperback style book before they were a thing. I know it was like a, it was a paperback, definitely a paperback thing, but it's like they weren't really, you know, trade paperbacks were not the thing that they are now, you know, where it's like coll- writing for to collect into the trades. Now, this was a very uh, unusual thing to be finding. And there they had issue number four, which was his first appearance in in the modern Marvel universe. So that was pretty wild. But then I also was collecting Alpha Flight when it first started in the 80- in the 80s. Um, and so he had a couple appearances in there including a kind of sort of crossover with Fantastic Four along the way. I did immediately buy his 1980s miniseries. It was Prince Namor, the Submariner. Oh, is that the, was that Roy Thomas, I think? Um, it was, no, actually, it was J.M. DeMatteis. Oh, wow. Yeah. And the pencil was Bob Budiansky. So talking about, you know, being able to bring Leviathans to destroy New York, that's like one of the things that he fights in that very miniseries. That was a pretty crazy series. But then also I was collecting the Avengers. I've, I've, collect, I've collected Avengers since issue number 203 or 204. Um, my, my, my history in that is that we actually like got a subscription for it when I was a kid. And I haven't really given it up almost since. I'm still getting Avengers monthly. Oh, wow. Yeah. You so, started but, well over 100 issues before me. <laughs> oh, yes. Well, and thanks to Marvel Unlimited, I finally been able to read the first 200 issues. So that was pretty great. But there was the t- period when Roger Stern brought him into the Avengers. So I had that. But and that was a, so it was interesting reading, having that be my background, because I could kind of get a feel for him being kind of a, an aloof and regal character in all those stories. But then we get Brian Michael Bendis's take when he on new Avengers and the Illuminati. And that's the version that really I'm used to now seeing from that point forward. And I've been reading along with uh, the podcast, make ours Marvel by Mm -hmm. Michael Kaiser and John Wilson. And I've I've been reading as many, I've tried to read as many books as I can along with their podcast. So reading his early Marvel appearances, it's like, Oh my gosh, Namor is the biggest jerk ever. (laughs) Now he's awesome. But, oh, my gosh, he is just a terrible, terrible person most of the time. And I love it. I think <laughs> so the part like, that makes someone who's a character who's a terrible person, mm-hmm. the part that makes people like it, is when they don't care. Mm-hmm. It's like no right. one cares about the terrible person who whines about being a terrible person. He's just like, yeah, this is me. Deal with it. Exactly. He's like, I'm, I'm royalty, and I'm the most powerful person I know, so just deal with it. And so it's been it's been a great thing to be reading those. They just started getting into his uh, headlining Tales to Astonish. Uh, that's been some fun reading already. So Roger Stern's appearances and things like that were before you know, this John Byrne series. I did read some of Atlantis Attacks. I was getting the annuals of, of the books I was regularly collecting. So yeah. I saw that there. So I knew that a little bit of the setup that, you know, before we get to this issue... He's supposedly dead, but the, but some heroes know that he's not. Yeah, I knew he wasn't dead. I knew, like, 
I knew he had a, more of a history than a lot of them, and the fact that he had been around since like the the 30s and 40s. Mm-hmm. Because of all that, so like when they did his origin here, I already knew that part. Yeah. So, but it's like my my view of the character in terms of his personality was much more kind of what Roger Stern's Adventures made him look like, which was not, and he was he would you know annoy and tick off Hercules plenty, but he was not like an anti-hero in my opinion like that. He was not Guy Gardner really. Mm. He was still just like he was more like Hawkeye. Okay. Yeah. You know? But if Hawkeye was royalty, that was my history on that. And with that, shall I get into the issue itself? Sure. Let's do it. All right. So Namor the Submariner, number one, written and drawn by John Byrne, inked by Bob Wyacek, colors by Glynis Oliver, letters by Ken Lopez, editor is Terry Cavanaugh, and editor-in-chief Tom DeFalco. The title is Purpose, and the title of the series, of course, Namor the Submariner, again, highlighting the name Namor. It says on the cover, out of the depths and into the 90s. Oh, those are not words to live by. <laughs> <laughs> we start on the ship, the Oracle, where we meet two marine biologists, Caleb Alexander and his daughter, Carrie, working and doing some testing. And all of a sudden, something shoots out of the water and it's Namor screaming mad. And flying through the sky in a wonderful double-page spread of him just soaring through the sky. They uh, chase him in their boat to see where he's going and what he's up to. And find that he's landed on an island. The island has um, some natives who are worshipping an idol, a model of an airplane. And this just incenses Namor. So he attack- they first they attack him for intruding on their worship. And the spear bounces off of his chest, which I actually did not know he could, that he had bulletproof skin until this point. So that's pretty crazy. That's pretty awesome. And he just goes to attack and he destroys their plane. He roughs up all the natives, destroys things throughout the village. And all of a sudden he starts seeing someone that, re- and it looks like it's Lady Dorma, his first love. And then she turns into Marina. The same woman turns into Marina and he's very confused by this. But it turns out that who he's actually seeing is Carrie Alexander, but he doesn't recognize her. So the Alexanders, though, take him after this spell passes, take him back to their ship. And we see that the second chapter, the Alexanders in one of the rooms of the ship and Namor hooked up to a device that's looking like it's well working on blood and finds out that Caleb is a doctor who has studied Namor all his life. And has a theory about why he has his extreme mood swings. Before we get into that, this leads right into uh, Namor's origin, where yet yeah, an explosive is dropped onto one of the cities of Atlantis a long time ago in the year 1920. The king sends his daughter, Princess Fen, to go find out what's going on. She's supposed to not actually like look into it herself. She decides, instead of sending scouts, that she wants to find out what's going on. And she gets onto the surface dweller's ship, the ship named the Oracle, which is the same name as the ship that the Alexanders have, which is not a coincidence. She's captured by the sailors on the ship and meets the captain, uh, Mackenzie. And uh, in a very original storyline that nobody else has ever ripped off ever, <laughs> they fall in love and have a, ch- and have a son. But the father, Captain, Al- 
Mackenzie gets killed by Atlantean troops f- first. So Princess Fen has to raise her son herself, named Namor. And he's born with pink skin, unlike the Atlanteans blue. And names him Namor, the Avenging Son. And then we get into some great John Byrne exposition. That's all in quotes, by the way. Of <laughs> where Dr. Alexander explains that his theory is that Namor's mood swings are due to oxygen starvation, where when he's, he, since he has both human and Atlantean genes, he can't process oxygen underwater as well as an Atlantean, nor out of water as well as a human. So he gets not enough oxygen when he's underwater and too much when he's on the surface. So both cases give him a kind of intoxication or kind of becoming like manic depressive. Maybe he's got low blood sugar and just needs a Snickers bar. I don't know. (laughs) But then so his little device that he hooked Namor up to helps balance out his oxygen levels and makes him more level-headed. And that leads into Namor asking, why were you so uh, interested in my history? And finds out um, Caleb reveals that he had seen Namor back when he was a child in the 40s and had fallen off the edge of a pier chasing after him, uh, watching him fly through the sky. And as he was almost about to drown, Namor comes and rescues him and brings him back to, back to shore. So now we have a, a sense that, yes, he has a little bit of hero worship of Namor and thus his fascination and study of him all these years. Um, and now that he has a new lease on life, the Alexanders want to know what Namor intends to do. And he has much... And he decides, well, I need to go think about that. That leads to the next chapter. John Byrne is big on chapters, by the way, in case you did not know that. Yeah. He likes the old style. He likes the old style chapters. And Namor comes back to visit the Alexanders a while later to thank them. And he brings a chest of treasure because he knows where all the treasure is under the sea. And he knows how to use the power of money. So he's decided to use this to change the world for the better on his through the business world. And he wants the Alexanders to help him. That leads to our final chapter, where we meet a new pair of characters, the Mars siblings, Phoebe Mars and Desmond Mars, that uh, run their own corporation, the Mars Corporation. Not the one that does the candy bars, unfortunately. I really Mm. wish they were. but They were awesome. Yeah. Phoebe shows she is a no-nonsense leader of the company. And, you know, everybody, all the men are put in their place when she comes through. She goes to visit her brother, who's just about to kill himself with a with a little gun but she pulls it out of his hand just in time and it's and the only reason he's going to do it is because he just doesn't see the point of existing he's got a very uh he's bored with life and has no challenges but phoebe convinces him oh yes ennui thank you did you look that up no okay did they teach you that at the cubert school we had vocabulary there yes okay very good so, Phoebe has learned of a new challenge for them, a new up-and-comer on Wall Street that is taking over by storm, and, and someone for them to take down as a challenge. And Desmond is very intrigued because they don't know who the mysterious owner is. And the name of the corporation is Oracle, Oracle Incorporated. And that's the end of the issue. Next issue, hmm. Lion's Fang and Eagle's Claw. What would you think of this one? Oh, this is definitely a, a good issue. Yes, John Byrne does have like to do his little exposition, but mm-hmm. besides that, 
Art-wise, it's beautiful. This is some of the best time period for John Byrne. Oh, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. The artwork on this is amazing. And it actually looks like he's trying to do a little bit of different stuff because both Carrie Alexander and Phoebe Mars don't look like they have the exact same face. Because that's something, that's a criticism that some people have said about John Byrne for like some of his characters. Like a lot of times they have the same face. Or like this, like oh, he yes. has like a couple different body types. And that's it's that, it's that there's that meme that shows John Byrne's versions of Steve Rogers, Clint Barton, Hank Pym. Yeah. yeah. And it just goes on and on and on. They all have the same face. It's like the same guy. It's almost like looks like the same picture, just over, just mm-hmm. statted over and over. Yes. But they look different. So I like that. Like, like, it actually looks like he's trying to do some difference in them. Like, I can see a difference between Desmond Mars and Namor, mm-hmm. you know, facial-wise. Or Carrie Alexander and uh, – is that the name, Carrie? Carrie, yes. Yeah, Carrie and Phoebe Mars. There's a difference mm-hmm. in them, not just, the, not just in what color the skin is you know, colored, but right. you can actually the, see and not their, in the bodies. And not their hair. It's, the hair is often another thing that's – an easy way to make yeah. the characters look different, but yes, no, I I absolutely agree. He he's giving her giving their faces uh, just a little bit different different features. Yeah, to make make the characters different. So I like that. So the art here is great. I mean, that splash page of Namor is awesome when he's mm-hmm. flying out from the uh, the two page splash, and when he's on the island, that page where he first wakes up from the island, and he's getting up confused. I mean. There's a lot of great work there. Yes, this is definitely some of his peak work right here. He had just finished off, um, well, not just finished off, but his his Superman run was long gone by now. Yeah. But when he came in here, it's like you can see some of the things that he liked to do in Superman also being done here, and it's just the the village and the things he's doing in there are just really well done. Love seeing the characterization of even of Princess Fen even. From uh, the flashback. Oh, the flashback? Of, yeah. Yeah. It's like, sh- she looks really good. Um, it's fun to see that him giving the Atlanteans the black eyes with the little white dot pupils. The fun little flourish that he's giving them that I think I think harkens back to their original looks. Oh, yeah. Because uh, that's what he loved to do. I mean, he, he, likes, he likes to do things like the old way or the way he remembers them as when he first read them. So, yeah, no, that that is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, the, the artwork's great. And like you said, he does like, story-wise now, he does like the chapters. <laughs> yes. And that's, what, and that's a funny thing in the structure of this, is that he labels the first two chapters epilogues and the final two chapters prologues. Yeah. You, it's kind of a conceit to call the first two epilogues. It's like, you're really not writing an epilogue to Atlantis Attacks, are you? I don't... It does not really feel like that. I mean, there's because there's no mention of Atlantis Attacks. I don't think it's Atlantis Attacks. I think it's an epilogue to Namor's history from before. As in, mm-hmm. this is the ending of the irrational crazy... You know, half the time irrational crazy, half the time normal Namor. Like you said, I mean, he very much comes across as manic-depressive. Yes. And, now he's stabilized. So it's going to be, this is the end of that. And now we're going to have the more stable Namor going forward. And that's what I think is the meaning of the prologue. And I, and I get that. I, I, I do think it's, and I think it's a, it makes for a fun era that he gets into. 
it's interesting that you even could see like a parallel between that and even like European aristocracy and the health problems that they have had. Oh yeah. All the inbreeding that happens over there that happened over there in the past. So it's like, Oh, you can almost, you can almost see like that kind of met that kind of uh, medical problems being a parallel here with Namor. Yeah. If they're all hemophiliacs or werewolves mm-hmm. or something. I forget which. Exactly. <laughs> Definitely werewolves. One of the two. Definitely Probably. werewolves. <laughs> but yeah, it's a it's cute. I'll, I'll put it that way. No matter how we describe the epilogues, I think it's cute that he calls them epilogues. I don't think it's I don't think it really makes me feel that more more powerful in terms of the story. It's just no. okay. It's fine. It's fine. It's um, John Byrne. He likes to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's fine. and we get this and we get this bold new direction for Namor where he's going to be a rich man using his wealth to accomplish his goals. It's something that we're actually more used to now, but was not in my in my remember my memory something done that much with the rich superheroes. I mean, there's plenty of rich superheroes, yeah, but rarely do any of them solve problems with their checkbook until more recently. Bruce Wayne and Tony Stark definitely had the bank for doing that sort of thing all their careers. But all of a sudden it became a thing for them to, to actually like use that. Yeah. The earliest thing I can think of like Batman doing that is Mm -hmm. a few years after this, actually during Grant Morrison's, or it's actually done several years after this Grant Morrison's JLA run. Yeah. Rock of ages. Yep. When he bribes mirror master. Yes. That's the first time I remember Bruce Wayne ever doing it. Then after um, after the first Iron Man movie came out, that was sort of a, a trick that they would have occasionally show up in the in the Tony Stark comics. Mm-hmm. His appearances would sometimes have that kind of thing be a, a thing they do, but still they would solve problems like a superhero. The superhero yeah. the superhero problems would be solved like a superhero and not as a rich person. So he was kind of opening up the door to do that. I don't yeah. think in this series that he really took it as that far, but it still is a great concept. I give him props for having the concept and being willing to like take a risk on introducing the idea. It's not always easy to be the first one with it because it's always easier for somebody else to go, oh, you know what you could have done? It's like, well, yes. yeah, but you weren't there when I was trying to think of it. You you now saw yes. what I did, and therefore now you could see other options from that. But I had to figure out what the options were in the beginning. Yes, Absolutely. But yeah, because no, I've done that more with, um, just real quick, like uh, Sunspot. Yeah. With his yeah. being. A, yes, 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 yes. When he just buys he's AIM. The, he's the, he is the epitome of having actually done that. Yeah. They took like, that. They took it where they should have all yeah. along. It's like, no, we're not going to fight AIM anymore. We're not. AIM's like, we're not. It's like, no, I just bought you. I, owe, I, I, bought, the, I bought AIM. I'm, in, I'm the boss now. No more fighting. Yes, that's fantastic. <laughs> that's like, exactly what did there. <laughs> Loved it. But yeah, and that, it was it was this made me cringe in that one of the Marvel Age articles advertising oh, yes. talking about this. What the quote is? The thrust is Donald Trump with wings on his heels. Like, oh God, please no, oh, God, even no. back then, no, God, no, no, oh God. Now I have a question no, for you. It's more like Donald Trump. It's more like it's more like Donald Trump and his sister at the end. Oh Lord, oh no. That's anyway, close. And there's nothing creepy about that relationship either. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Okay, I have a question for you. Yes. 
and, and it's and uh, I, I'm I'm open to the answer. When did you realize that Namor is the word Roman spelled backwards? <laughs> Way too late. <laughs> I, I I will I will tell on myself that I did not realize that until an issue of Spider-Man 2099 where they had an Atlantean invasion by one of Namor's descendants. And do you know what that Namor's what Namor's descendants name was? I'm going to guess not Namor the 3rd. Correct. It was not Namor the 3rd. Roman. It was Roman. At that moment I went, oh, well, I'm stupid. <laughs> I'm the biggest idiot ever. I, I realized that when picking up, reading the uh, issues of, and this was after they were, had been finished, mm-hmm. going, ba- uh, going back and reading issues of Alan Moore's Run of Supreme. Oh, okay. And their name were knockoff or you know name or analog is called mm-hmm. roman and after reading <laughs> went you know and i remember reading it going what if okay roman has nothing to do with what oh duh. i wonder how many i wonder how many other people have had that sort of thing because i mean this spider-man 2099 came out after i was done with college so i was way too old not to have caught on to that by now yeah, well, that's about the same time, or maybe a little later, because I didn't start reading Supreme until they came out the, with uh, Supreme: The Return. Right. They redid mm, the series, revamped the series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that was like '97, '96, mm-hmm. and then that's when once I did that, I started going and buying the back issues. So it would have been sometime between '97 and 2000, maybe, that I mm-hmm. read that issue for the first time. Went oh. okay. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So don't feel too bad. Well, you were still younger than I – in age, I was still older than you were at that point when, by, by the time I caught on. So. Oh, then yeah, never mind. It's yeah. your fault. Yeah. yeah, I'm – you know, thanks. Awesome. <laughs> well, uh, you know, and looking at the – looking at – so I want – going to kind of the supreme angle made to remember that looking at the John Byrne Superman era, did you read any of those issues? So actually, the funny thing is while I've read a lot of the Superman, like that poker crisis – Mm-hmm. I need to go back and do that eventually. The John Byrne stuff is actually the stuff I really have a blank spot on. I it's, read, it's really fun. I've read issue three of Man of Steel. That's one of the issues I okay. had like randomly beforehand. I had issue okay. three, which is the one with the team of Batman. Yes, yes. And I might have read one or two other ones, but I think, I, oh yeah, I read a reprint of number one. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember. It might have been the DC Millennium Edition of it. Ah, okay. Because I bought most of those Millennium Edition books. Gotcha. Yeah. Again, that was what two thousand. Yeah, two thousand. So that was mm. well. There was still stuff traded. It wasn't you know not everything was as accessible as it was now. That yes, was a great absolutely. way to grab all these old stories that I would have heard about but never read. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Well, I was able to get in on that from the ground floor. So. Oh, there you go. You know. You know. But and one of the things there that just this is this being John Byrne Superman and this John Byrne Namor is that there's definitely some kind of Superman themes, things going on here. But what really kind of struck me on the, this recent read is how much he's kind of turning this as Namor is Superman turned into the head of LexCorp. 
Yeah. It's, it's like, what? One of the coolest things that John Byrne did was turn Lex Luthor into a business tycoon. Now, he still was a scientific genius, but his focus was the business and being wealthy and the power he had from that. So giving that power now to the Superman analog character, definitely some interesting opportunities there. But then he also has the Mars characters to give the dark side of financial power that Luthor already had, too. So he can explore, continue to explore both sides of that. And again, like he's a mixture of Superman and Luther, but without as much power as both of them. Like he is not, you know, he has a lot of the strength yes. and flight and vulnerability, but he doesn't have all the other powers of Superman. Mm-hmm. And while he does have that ability, like Luther, he is not as, I guess he has some, some ability because of because of ruling. But I mean, he is not as good a businessman as Luther was, ethical or not. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then you have the Mars twins who are much closer to being the Luther, both in ethics and in ability. Absolutely. Yes, and like a game, I can see why he would did this. Then it probably gave him like a, something to do, a twist on what he was doing before that he couldn't have done. Yes, it's not something he could have done with the Superman books, but here he could do this. Yes, so it's way cool. And he yeah. is a big Stan, Lee, Stan and Jack fan, and as it said in that oh, yeah. interview, and you know, even though he is looking back at some of the stuff that was done originally in the '30s, he is still basing his name more mostly on what he read by Stan and Jack. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And he gets into that with his artwork, too. I mean, he, his earlier versions of, of Namor looked even more like Jack Kirby's Namor with a more of a flat head. He's softened it by the time he gets to this era, but he still has the eyebrows. Most are very distinctly Kirby's eyebrows. Oh, God, yeah. But yeah, it's it, very much, yeah, he's a much, wants, wants to do things in the, as close to them as, as he can. And he does homages to those issues as much as possible. And the, those appearances as much as possible with, with his stuff. I thought this issue was a great kickoff for the story. Kind of, we, we get our character reintroduced without taking up the whole thing, give him a, a kind of different direction. Give us a taste of the fact that this is not going to be the same Namor stories we've seen before, but still be thus. We don't know what to expect. Which yeah. I always like. I always like it's fun. Yeah, something new. Some people, so I've been reading Avengers and Spider-Man for a long time. And I understand some people who don't like newer things because it doesn't jive with the versions that they like their best. I understand that feeling. I understand, you know, liking what you like. And that definitely nothing wrong with that. But I also don't want to see the same stories for my characters all the time. The only reason I still enjoy reading Spider-Man is because they'll get writers and artists to make some changes and try different things with with the characters. No, uh, definitely. I mean, I I stopped. I know I was reading. No, great. I wasn't buying it. My roommate at the time was buying it, but I was reading his issues of a uh, mm-hmm. brand new brand new day. And for me, at least, I'm oh, reading yeah. that going. You know, this is fine, but it feels just like I'm reading the Spider-Man issues that were out in the 1980s. And you know, mm-hmm. from what I've read of those, and it's like. I could just buy those in the dollar bins. <laughs> That's cheaper than spending yes. four bucks. I can still buy one a month. I can still buy. I can spend four dollars a month if I wanted to only, and buy four issues. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I just it, yeah. No, I get what you're saying because it's like you like what you like, but it's like kind of accept like that these characters that they're going to keep them around for like 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years. 
yeah. they're going to do something different with them occasionally. So, and that's one of the reasons why, like when I said before, like oh, the creator, when I said oh, those creators left and I kind of stopped reading those books as well, besides the college part. Because for me, I kind of went with like, okay, well, look, if I'm not right liking what they're doing now, I'll come back at another point when somebody else is doing it. Because mm-hmm. I, I read a lot of those characters like I haven't really been doing like a Spider-Man or Batman or Superman like constant collecting. I've had periods where I've gotten them, but then right. I stop. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, this looks good. I'm going to try this. Oh, I like this. Oh, great. I'll read it until they stop doing this type of thing. I know. It used to be a lot easier back then, you know, before, I'll be fair. This is like the one part we do of the get off my lawn, where they would stay on for a while longer, <laughs> the creative teams. So you mm-hmm. would have that for more than a year or six months. Right. Where it's like, oh, this direction that's happened, that these people are doing, they're going to be on, they're doing this for, you know, a year, two, three, four years. Mm-hmm. So you can read it for a while as opposed to, oh, cool, I like this. Story. Oh, it's over already. Yeah, I'm not a fan too much of that. Okay. But, I mean, well, he's here for a few years at least, so that's good. Oh yeah, he does, and and we actually and get the introduction of Jay Lee as the artist eventually, which mm-hmm. is uh, takes things in a really crazy and fascinating artistic direction. And so, I'm interested if we get to there because I did not take that well. Mm. I kind of mm-hmm. stopped reading. I was just I was kind of losing. It lost a lot of interest around that point. Ah, okay. I like his work now, so I'm curious to see how mm-hmm. I feel about it reading it again. Excellent. Something to look forward to. Yep. Either 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 because you'll love it or because like, yeah, I've had enough. <laughs> I guess we'll see. Exactly. The last thing to note is the name of the ship and the company, the Oracle. So this issue came out about a year after Barbara Gordon debuted with the name Oracle in Suicide Squad. Oh yeah, coincidence? I I know I actually I'm sure that it's a hundred percent coincidence. And oh like, yeah, because there's Oracle like no was the name of the ship back then, and it's not like the name of Oracle for for Barbara Gordon had anything to do with trying to tap into Namor or anything like that. It's just, but it's just it's just interesting that the two names coming up so prominent, and her name wasn't that prominent yet in Suicide no. Squad by this point. Even she was still more like an occasional background character. But she was, but uh, and later, she we're still like another year or so before she becomes like a permanent fixture on the team. Yeah, and another two or three years before she, we even they start getting the Birds of Prey one shots. Yes. So just a very interesting little uh, sidebar coincidence. Yeah. Serendipity. I love serendipity. So is that it? I think that's it for uh, Namor number one. I think so. I think that is it. We are Venomaniacs is the Venom Scythe official podcast for all of your symbiote news, reviews, and point of views about Venom-related comics, movies, television, animation, and merchandise. We are available on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, Google Play Music, and YouTube. Join us, won't you? We will be back next time with issue two of both series, but we'd like to hear what you guys think. You know, what did you, did you guys read either one of these back then, or are you reading them now, just following along? And how do you feel about them? You know, because it changed for you if you if you read it, you know, twenty years ago first time, and now and now here. Or how do you feel reading these older comics? Do they work for you, or do you not like this direction for Namor? 
email us at uh, speedo.hellfire at gmail.com. I, I don't know if we actually got that website registered in time. Do it anyway. We'll have it. Okay. Yeah, no, no pressure. All right. Thanks. You got it. Yes. Yeah. We want to hear from you. Um, uh, oh, you know what? Oh, it'd be cool. Like, let's give a name for people. Like, oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. For you people who call, who call in, uh, right into the show, call it. Yeah. That's, I don't, I don't, yeah. Like, I, we could do, we, we could, like, name the segment of the show, like, you know, for the feedback stuff about them. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, that's the, how about the, the, the fumers? Ooh, I like that. A fume. That's like a, like, yeah. it's like a fire mixture, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you heat up, you heat up some water and it makes fumes. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. Our fuming fans. Yeah. That sounds good. Oh, and before we finish, we have a special person to thank. Ah, yes, yes. Thank you to Ryan Daly, who, because of his love for not just the Ghost Rider series, but especially the Namor series, his just love and passion for it. Unfortunately, he wasn't able to be here today, but we will definitely have him on in the future. His love and passion for it is basically what started us doing this. So, Ryan, this is all because of you. If it was not for you, none of this would have happened. And that's why I'm going to declare you are our first imperious spirit. Woo! Wear it in good health. All right. Well, that's it for this time. Uh, be sure to check out our website. And what's the address, Tim? It is asedano.potbean.com. Yep. So until next time, fan the fire. And rip the wave. Namor and the Ghost Rider fighting crooks together. Run them down or punch them up. No guys do it better. Whenever there is trouble, they'll fix it right there. With an imperious Rex or maybe Penance Stare. They sure dole out the vengeance and fight most anywhere. Namor and the Ghost Rider, they both have awesome hair. Namor and Ghost Rider, vengeance pals forever. Yeah. With respect and apologies to the bad Mamma Jammas. What the hell was that? Rob, call the lawyers and fire daily. <laughs>